0: Pastor Xavier Reece says, to God be the glory for the great things he has done. Signs and wonders and mighty deeds, all
1: three coupled together, distinguish the true apostle from the false apostle, as well as having a practical purpose to point men to God, not men. And so you don't look to the man, you look to God. You never glory in the man, but you glory in God, being in accord with the
0: scriptures. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture tells us to honor those who are in God's service, but it also exhorts those who are in leadership to remember that they are to be servants of all. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to his study series of 2 Corinthians as he brings us the simple truths regarding the heart of the true shepherd of God's flock. Let's listen.
1: Throughout the Old Testament as well as the New, there are strong warnings um, regarding the dangers of false and uncaring shepherds who care for themselves, and not for the people of God. Particularly the words of Jesus are very um, stern, equally the uh, damning uh, conclusion of Paul for the Galatians, even though if we or an angel or from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than you have received, let him be a curse, Galatians 1.8. Now, those are pretty stern words. The gospel is always the same. And yet today, if we would speak against uh, any wrong teaching, people get upset. I don't understand the Christian community today. We are too politically correct. We have been infected by the world. And we need to look to the word of God. History teaches us that man has, has incredible potential for evil. And deception, but the worst deception is spiritual deception because you're dealing with eternal things You get deceived about buying a car you lose some money You get deceived about buying a house you lose some more money, but you get deceived by eternity. You're eternally lost That's a lot more critical Paul is one of those who stand on the opposite side who had a heart of God walking with God Directed and fulfilled by God but he's actually the fulfillment of the promise of Jeremiah Jeremiah 3.15 says and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding thank God for the shepherds that teach the word of God that are consistent faithful just like the parents the fathers the mothers that will see the whole illustrations through here that are faithful to hold a mark in their families and they don't fall prey to the political correctness and the debauchery of the world it's hard to swim upstream. You gotta be a salmon. You gotta be willing to die. That's not the case today in the church. Paul is a constant reminder of, to every pastor and shepherd what God can do through a yielding heart. A constant warning also to those who would misuse and abuse their authority regarding God's people. And so, the heart of Paul is described by giving us a threefold picture of himself here in verses 11 to 21. Let me read. I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you. For in nothing I am behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you in all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Now, for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. For the children are not the up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But be it as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by any of those who I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Again, do you think that, I, that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear lest when I come... I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you, such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults, lest when I come again my God will humble me among you. And I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced." The heart of Paul is described by giving us a threefold picture of himself through the credentials of an apostle, first, verse 11 through 13. Second, the care of a father, verse 14 through 19. And thirdly, the concerns of a shepherd, verse 20 and 21. It begins with the credentials of an apostle here, 11 through 13. Notice in verse 11, the Apostle Paul directed his complaint to the Corinthians. Paul affirmed to the Corinthians, he had played the fool. I have become a fool in boasting. He plays the part of a fool here, as you know, boasting, bringing himself to the level of the false apostles in sarcastic irony. It began in chapter 11, verse 1. It goes all the way to verse 13 of this chapter. The word fool, again, means without reason, senseless, stupid, without reflection is key in these two chapters, 11 and 12. And the word I is emphatic. Bolting had caused him to look like a fool, but he was no fool. The pronoun I, if you count it between verses 11 to 21, dominates the section 21 times. He did what he never did. He compared himself to those who commended themselves, but he did so to expose their fallacy, their falsehood, and their lack of wisdom, as he declared in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. He revealed he and his co-laborers did not go beyond the limits of ministry, remember, that God did not ascribe to them in chapter 10, verse 14. He revealed the way he endured personal sufferings for Christ in chapter 4 and in chapter 11. Incredible things. Now, notice Paul blamed the Corinthians. It was partly their fault. You have compelled me. They did not conduct themselves honorably towards Paul. They had allowed the false teachers to undermine the authority of Paul. They had allowed the false teachers to undermine his motives. And they had allowed the false teachers to receive them. They willfully received them. You as a parent know how rate you get when you warn and warn your children about certain people, certain things. And then they do that. And you go, what, what is in your mind? Did you not hear what I said? This is Paul. Now notice Paul confronted the Corinthians saying they should have defended him. For I ought to have been commended by you. They had a family obligation to Paul. The word out there is obligation, indicative been imperfect. Even now still you should be. But they weren't. The church had been established by Paul, as you know, preaching the gospel. 18 months, Acts 18. They should have been the first to speak up for Paul in his defense, but they weren't. The word they're commended, as we've seen before, means to stand together, to approve, to, and it's in the present passive. It's a key word. We spoke about the letters of commendations in chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, how the false teachers came and Paul says, I don't need any letters of commendation. In fact, he said... Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 and 2. Notice Paul reminded the Corinthians that this his apostleship was not inferior to those false apostles. For nothing I am behind the most eminent apostle, though I am nothing. Don't miss that. He's not referring to the 12 apostles by the phrase eminent apostles, but he's referring to the false apostles. The context has nothing to do with that. Now Paul did deal with the, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 5 through 10, when I had to deal with the Gentiles coming under the law, and he speaks about about James and, and Peter and them as pillars of the church, but not here. He's referring to these false apostles in a mocking manner. Remember this whole section deals with sarcasm and irony. Poking fun of these guys, the phrase is uh, "is nothing," uh, and nothing was I behind. Is called a uh, litotes. In other words, he means just the opposite. I am everything compared to these guys. <laughs> I'm an apostle; they're not. When he had come to Corinth, he came as a full fledged apostle. He didn't become one now. He was always the most eminent, exceeding beyond measure. Chief, This is how they presented themselves. This is how they, they, they boasted about themselves and talked about themselves. You know, like the guy that says, you know, I'm tired of talking about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> the apostle Paul had been called, anointed, and sent by Jesus Christ after Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9, 15 through 16. He knew who he was. Notice he declared this in confident humility, not in arrogance and boasting. Evident by the contrast. Though I am nothing. On the least of the apostles, he told them in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Who's not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And he says, though I am nothing. Paul knew. He used to kill Christians. He used to imprison Christians. He used to drag them off. Cause them to blaspheme. For I consider that I'm not all inferior to the eminent apostles, he said in chapter 11, verse 5. At all. When he wrote to Timothy, as he left the Ephesus in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 14, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Amazing. In fact, Paul said at one point, he says, you know, I'm a good example of the kind of people God can save. (laughs) Now look at 12. The apostle Paul declared his confirmed ministry among the Corinthians. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you in all perseverance and signs and wonders and in mighty deeds. Paul gave the method by signs of an apostle that had been accomplished among them by God. The word "sign" simply means a marker or a token that by which a person or a thing is distinguished from another and is known. In this case, contrary to the false teachers, he bore the signs of an apostle. These signs were not told to the Corinthians, but they had witnessed them themselves as Paul was there. The scribes and Pharisees told Jesus one day in Matthew twelve thirty eight, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. There are Christians who just chase the Holy Spirit from church to church and conference to conference, looking for signs and wonders and all the miracles, the lightning, the thunder. And if they don't have that kind of stuff, they, they, they just don't feel that they're good and right with God. They never grow up. We walk by faith, not by sight, ladies and gentlemen. And believers don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow the believer. It's the reverse. Paul never uses these credentials of miracles or anything for his credentials of apostleship. He's making mention of them because he's boasting against these guys, comparing themselves. He just finished with the visions and revelations. These guys were saying, all oh, we have, it. Paul says, listen, I've been to heaven, but you know what? I've never used that as my credentials, and you know what? It made me a weak man. I have to depend upon God. He had to ground me. Wow. Paul indicated the manner in all perseverance. The phrase all perseverance means to endure, constantly stable, reliable. Remember, Jesus appeared to him in Acts 18, 9 through 10. Paul was afraid. He didn't want to be a Corinth, evil city. Stop being afraid, Paul. I have many people in the city. No one's going to harm you. 18 months, God did the work. God sent him, God encouraged him, God did the work. What did Paul have to boast? Nothing. 32 years later, here we are. God called us, God anointed us, God did the work. What do we have to boast about? Absolutely nothing through the accusations by the Jews before Galileo in Acts 18, 12 through 13, bringing before the judgment seat. Perseverance, accusations, attacks. The word of the New Testament is the characteristic of a man who is not swerved by his deliberate purpose and from it, his loyalty and faith, piety, even by the greatest trials and sufferings. Paul would not shrink from the things that Christ had done through him in word or deed or to make the Gentiles obedient, he said in mighty signs and wonders and power of the Spirit of God when he wrote to the Romans, chapter 15, 18, and 19. He only boasted in Christ, what Christ did, what Christ told him to do, and in no, nothing else. This is the weakness of the modern day church. We boast in everything but in Christ. Oh, we put Christ's name, but in reality, the background, it isn't. We are so self-sufficient Paul and Barnabas declared in the first church council how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles in Acts 15, 12. We're just instruments. You take that pen and you sign your name on there. Which of you think that pen, which of you think that pen wrote your name? It's just a pen. I'm just a pen. God is the one that does the work. God forbid to wish you glory in the vessel. Paul identified the diverse of means here. In signs and wonders and mighty deeds, all three coupled together. Signs means the sense of a miracle. Distinguish the true apostle from the false apostle, as well as having a practical purpose, to point men to God, not men. When it's a divine miracle, that miracle will point people to God, not to the man. Now, you know that Satan can transform himself to angel light. He's already said that. And Satan can do miracles too, right? So how do you know who's doing it? If you know the Word of God. A miracle will not contradict the Word of God. It will be in accord with the Word of God. People are embracing things today that go beyond the Word of God. It's not even in the Word of God. And they're being deceived by their emotions, by what they see, what they hear, and what they feel, instead of what they're supposed to believe. The word for signs is the same word that is used for miracles. There is no word in the Greek for miracles. It's this sign. This word right here, sign. The context dictates that it it's a miracle. Then what follows is wonders. It describes the effect of what is produced in the people who see the sign or the miracle. So the miracle is a divine manifestation and the wonders is how it affects the person. This is God. And so you don't look to the man. You look to God. You never glory in the man. But you glory in God. Mighty deeds. Dunamis. Inherent power. Identifying the divine origin. Being in accord with the scriptures. In fact, Peter used the same words. All three of these words. For Jesus. A man attested by God. By miracles, wonders, signs and wonders that he did through him in Acts 2.22 as he preached. In Hebrews 2.4, listen to what it says. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. God is the one that does it. Paul, Peter, and them did not just walk down the street and say, hey, I think I'll heal that. Beam, beam, beam. No. Peter and John were just going to the temple like any other day. Jesus had passed this crippled guy all the time, the lame guy, every time for three years in his ministry. Never touched him. And they're going to the temple just to witness, to see what God has. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, see that guy? I'm going to heal him. Go over and tell him that. They didn't decide to do it. God told them to go there, thinking he was going to receive a coin. He says, silver and gold have I none, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and Walk. God told them through a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, a miracle, faith, and many other gifts are accompanied there. They didn't just do it. You have these guys that say healing services and we can perform miracles. You're smoking something. If they could do it, they would go to Children's Hospital right now. They're a bunch of quacks. And yet, in spite of the quack, God heals people that look to God in faith through those ministries because God honors His word above His name. Notice verse 13. The apostle Paul did confess one fault against the Corinthians. Paul asked the Corinthians one question. For what is it which you were inferior to other churches? They knew there was only one thing. And they knew he knew. But he wanted to remind them again. Paul indicated the one thing. They had been inferior to other churches. Ready? Except that I myself was not burdensome to you. The answer is in the form of a question in an interrogatory manner, which communicates a mild reproof to them. It's, a mild, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a mild slap. The answer is also, because it's rhetorical, it demands one answer. Yes. There could be only one thing, no other. It was the only way they were inferior. He had not taken money from them. Wow. Now, look at 13 at the end there. Paul begs their pardon. Can you imagine that? Forgive me this wrong. He revealed his pure motive of heart. He revealed to them by using irony and silliness of asking forgiveness for what could not have been wrong. If there is one thing, you're inferior. I didn't take money from you. Oh, bummer. Forgive me. It's sarcasm. Today, there are many false teachers within the church teaching destructive heresies, exploiting people financially through deceptive words, having great followings, confirming the words of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Like in the days of Paul, those in ministry are to be qualified by their home life, not by their degrees, their popularity, the size of their church, and they're to have integrity. First Timothy 3, 1 through 5, nobody uses the qualifications anymore. It's like we've ripped off Timothy and Titus. They don't count for it today. Matthew 18. If a man is called, God will enable and provide for that man, whether it be through a tent ministry like Paul or through the ministry. If God is in the ministry, there will be no pressure or manipulation of the people. If God's in the ministry, there will be excellent checks and balances for integrity. If we are wise, we will take heed to the scriptures as the only source of standard for our lives. Nothing else. We need to understand that any man who shepherds the flock of God for the sole purpose of money rather than love for the Lord and his sheep is but a hireling. First Peter five two and the words of Jesus in John ten thirteen. Paul identified himself by credentials of an apostle. Wow. Notice secondly, 14 through 19, the care of a father. Verse 14, the apostle Paul's motives were clearly for the benefit of the Corinthians. Paul declared he would be coming again. Now, for the third time, I am ready to come to you. The first time he founded the church, the second was between the first and second letter when he was at Ephesus. The third was right after this letter. He repeats it in chapter 13, verse 1. Some did not think Paul would come. The false teachers were saying, Ah, in presence he's nothing. He just has a big mouth when he writes letters. Paul says, Really? Huh? We'll see when I get there. Notice Paul declared he would not receive any money from them again. And I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. So the reason being that Paul did not seek the material things, because this is what they were accusing him of. But even before this, he didn't do it. He didn't take it. So they used that loving care for them as a means to accuse him. The other reason was that Paul only sought the good for the Corinthians. That's all he sought. His practice was consistent. He was going to carry on his ministry in the very same way he had done so in the past. The principle is simple and valuable. We are to love and value people and use things, not love and value
0: things and use people. We get it reversed. Pastor Xavier Reese with a clear picture about the heart of a pastor. And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And you can request your own personal copy of today's heartening study from 2 Corinthians as well. The title to ask for is God and a Shepherd's Heart. We have them available on CD for just $4. And why not request an additional copy of this encouraging study so you can share it with a friend or a loved one. The title to ask for once again is God and a Shepherd's Heart. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.